What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and... and talk Talk about about it it. all right uh thank you once again for listening to the world's only the wire podcast the wire a show about how uh moms are cool and good and fun and nice (laughs) uh please remember to give us uh five stars and a review on all of the uh podcast apps that allow you to do that and then also uh subscribe to the youtube channel uh, you know, we just started it for the, I know some of you, some of you hogs need your video slop and, uh, now we're doing it. We're doing it for you because you're ravenous, ravenous little piggies. So, uh, you know, subscribe. It helps us by making it worth it to edit video every week. Mm. Otherwise, what's the fucking point? <laughs> People do wonder that. I, I mean, I wonder it. When you say people, do you mean you and me? Because <laughs> I also wonder it. Uh, oh, Vince, what are we doing? Um, all right. Today, we're going to be talking about from season four of The Wire, episode eight. And our guest today uh, is a fantastic stand-up comedian. He needs no introduction. You've seen him everywhere. Uh, clubs and colleges, as they say on the scene, <laughs> mostly colleges. No, uh, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, our guest today is Roy Wood Jr. Yes. What's up? I've done all the clubs. I've done all the colleges. You've done the clubs. You've done the colleges. I mean, what else is there? Everything but a cruise ship. You've never done a cruise ship. Never performed on a cruise ship, never performed in the state of Alaska. Oh, oh. wow. Is that a personal choice, the Alaska thing? I'm not racist. I didn't say I don't like the Alaskan people. <laughs> Why am I treating Alaska like a separate country? Like I'm Alaska is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think there's a lot. There's at least 300 people in Alaska who are like, wow, fuck you, bro. <laughs> I mean, if you pick the right clubs. clues, you could knock both of those out at the same time. That's right. You could do two and one. That is true. Dock in Alaska, run off the dock real quick, go do an open mic, get back on the ship. <laughs> yeah. I did five minutes at a weird bar in fucking Fairbanks. What else do I need? Yeah, no, the, <laughs> the cruise ship comedians that I know, um, it's a whole lifestyle. You really have to be about yeah. that life not yeah, just that's a that's another world i mean there's corporate comedians that do this sure. 
who you'll never know. And they live amazing lives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's college comedians sure. that never step outside of campus. Mm-hmm. You know, like comedy is one of those jobs where there's a private sector as well. Yeah. Like it's not just, hey, I'm on a show. Watch me tonight on yeah. Comedy Central. It's like, no. I performed for Boeing executives at some NASA conference and they <laughs> flew me in private and I made almost $100,000 in Damn. one game. Like there's guys. Mm, yeah. There's not a lot of them. No, no, but no. That... There's guys that once you can do well in a certain quadrant. Sure. People will pay you over and over to do that. Asking for Matt, who books that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who, who, yeah, who books that whole uh, Boeing thing? That, that was a... the weird shit about the correspondence dinner. Was yeah. like, like people would call to like book me after. Like, oh, we loved what he did with the president. Will you come do our noon conference <laughs> in a brightly lit fluorescent hotel? I'm sorry. The one thing you forget about the correspondence dinner. Is that everybody's drunk? Yeah. Everybody in that room, at minimum, yeah. has had wine. Right, and they're not all in front of their boss. It's also not like, and half the people in that room openly hate the boss. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Talk shit. Regular. Yeah. That ain't happening at the Procter and Gamble Hotel, whatever the yeah. fuck. Y'all are sober because you're scared of losing your jobs. Yeah. Under under foam ceiling and three banks of fluorescent lights. This is a much harder gig. The CEO uh, or like the office manager always wants to um, <laughs> be the host, too, which is my favorite thing when yes. you're just like, uh, oh, we decided to do a, a comedy <laughs> night in the tiki room of Salesforce. Do you want to yes. you want to do this? And then uh, please no. It's just it's hell. And uh, if you don't bomb you, you'll wish you did because (laughs) someone's going to get in trouble for laughing at something. It's a lot of fun. Yes. (laughs) Um, But this is a show about The Wire. So I got to ask you, Roy Wood Jr., um, do you like The Wire? Yeah, I've probably watched the entire series. Four times, four times. I own the book that Wesley Lowry did. I own the box set DVDs. Those are somewhere in my home. I will gift those to my son Mm. when he is of age. Beautiful. The books you own about The Wire. Yeah, I have the I have the Wesley Lowry, I guess, oral history of the show. Nice. Booked all the pieces matter. Yeah. Um, I have the box set DVDs of The Wire that came out when it was like the whole beautiful oh, yeah. encompass thing. Um and I met Wendell Pierce one time Ooh, cool. on a rooftop in Atlanta when he was running a grill. Big hockey fan. I don't know if this oh, podcast wow. is about weird <laughs> hockey fans. Fucking wire actor. Here's a little little tidbit you may not know about it. But no, we motherfucker was running the gr- he was running the grill like it was exactly what you would expect the bunk yeah <laughs> to be doing yeah it's almost parallel it, a social to function the fact yeah. that he's also a hockey fan because in the show he's uh he played lacrosse right it's, it's like almost, they put yeah. that weird nugget in there just to be like sort of related to his sure. life but not really yeah yeah it was it was it was it's it's been cool it's been cool to watch this show over and over again and just see it continue to stand the test of time yeah 
Now, one of the reasons that I uh, asked you on the show uh, was because I've now seen a couple of different uh, clips of you talking about the wire in your act. And I was like, well, this is someone who understands it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and one of the things you mentioned, I think, online, just maybe it was in a post, um, you were rating terrible mothers um, uh, on TV. And um, you... Oh, pointed out shit. I remember it was that Naaman's <laughs> mother worse than Livia Soprano. Uh, you were, I think you were comparing yeah. a few different bad TV mothers and I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and so I was like, yes, this guy, he understands, he understands this fucking show. Yeah. Also a really nice person in real life is Naaman's mom. Oh, sure. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure the actress is wonderful. I'm sure, yeah, right. yeah. I'm sure she McCree. would never force her, her son to sell drugs on the corner. Yeah, I've met Sandy McCree in person. That is a very nice person. We oh, took acting classes together. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, she she was a deplorable mom. Yeah, pretty pretty terrible mom. Yeah, pretty, pretty, I mean, I can't even remember who the other moms were. Well, in the, my AP rankings, but yeah, yeah, she's definitely worse than Olivia Soprano. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, you know, this episode, we got a lot of bad moms. I mean, uh, Michael Lee's mom. Yeah. Not, she's not, not, the, not the greatest. I mean, you know, selling the rice aroni. She's got good. a look in her eye like she's trying, though. Whereas Naaman's mom just, uh, not yeah, so much. Naaman's mom <laughs> just trying to make money. But, uh, but yeah, so I want to ask Juki's you. parents. Dookie's parents, you don't get to see Dookie's parents, but no. we assume it's because they're drunk all the time or high all the time. It is hard yes. to tell. Probably so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Randy, Randy's foster mom seems pretty cool, I got to say, uh, which is why I hope nothing bad happens to her later in the season. <laughs> um, so do you have a, a favorite season of The Wire? Is there like one that stands out uh, to you? And uh, why is it season five? Season three. Season three. All-time fave. Season four is probably the most real mm -hmm. in terms of just realistic. Uh, but three in terms of plot mm -hmm. and everything. I will still make the argument that season two is the most important. Because it sets up season five. Sure. In a weird way. Um. It, at the time, you know, season two got a lot of flack at the time, but yeah. I think when you look at the realism of the process of how drugs move within a city and the realism of Avon being in jail and getting back out of jail mm -hmm. and Stringer's rise to take the organization in different directions, season three's fissures between Avon and Stringer don't happen without season two yeah. and really yeah. understanding Stringer's motivations for what he wanted to do. So I think in that regard, you know, there's different seasons that are important for different reasons. But if you gave me one season the rest of my life to watch and you can only watch that season, it's season three. Season three. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I feel like yeah. people didn't bash season two on the grounds that it wasn't real. I feel like it's almost 
they didn't like it because it wasn't TV enough. Like it didn't do the thing that sequels normally do, which is uh, give you, know, you more of the give same. you all of the characters that you recognize up front and then introduce new ones. It just sort of like slaps yeah. you in the face with a bunch of new people right off the bat. I think they wanted season two to be season three. Let's continue the drugs versus yeah. the co- the blacks exactly. versus the cops. And it's exactly. like no, this is bigger than that. There's yeah. other eco. There's other animals in this ecosystem yeah yeah and i i think that in general the the hbo audience still didn't know what the hell they were watching for a while and Mm -hmm. i think every time i try to get someone into the show season two always seems to be the point at which they uh check out they check out because they're just like what and and, you know it took me eight episodes to understand what the hell was going on in the first season now you're gonna add frank sabatka and a bunch (laughs) of other Polacks. why am i doing this i don't want to do this it's slow but once it's once it goes it goes yeah uh yeah that I, i would say season three you know and then the relationship between michael k williams and mm-hmm. obar and brother muzone yeah just that whole angle and everything like those two becoming unlikely bedfellows yeah. <laughs> it was great as well yeah that is uh i liked it when it turned into a western you know i was like all right let's do this this, <laughs> this, this guns at dawn fuck it um but uh yeah let's get into this show and we cannot start the show without first playing the theme song Pod. Podcast. Podcast. School children. Season four. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 8 of The Wire, Corner Boys. Uh, this episode came out November 5th, 2006. Vince, break us off a little piece of that synopsis. I would love to read the synopsis that you are making me right now. Uh, yep. Mr. Presbo is still trying to reach these kids. Bunk is still trying to... Re- Sorry. Herc is still trying to reach his lost surveillance camera. Marlo is still trying to reach Omar. Naaman is still trying to reach Kingpin status. Carcetti mm-hmm. is already trying to reach the DNC for a better job. And Bunk is trying to get to the bottom of old face Andre's lies before the worst of his hangover kicks in. Nice. That's good. That is actually a thousand times better than any synopsis I've read on IMDb. <laughs> uh, see, Vince, all this is if you want a new job. Just I'm the, listen. I'm waiting for the call. My 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 lines are open. If they lines are give open, me that folks. Yeah. Uh, but what was happening at the time that this episode came out, Vince? That's right, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is we cannot evaluate art divorced from its cultural context. We have to put some of that cultural context back in, and we like to do that with something that we like to call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as. Advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. All right. Yeah. We're going all the way back to November 5th, 2006. Uh, we, this was kind of a big day in history because this was the day that uh, Saddam Hussein was sentenced to death by a military tribunal. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, I, oh, of damn. course, yeah, I went to the New York Post for the classiest write-up 
of it. Uh, you headline. wanted a classy write-up. <laughs> Saddam fit Something to that be... was respectful, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah that's that fair. fit the gravity of the moment. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Saddam fit to be, parentheses, necktied, rages as Iraqi court sends him to gallows. Uh, yeah, very good. Yep. Defiantly shouting, God is great. Saddam Hussein yesterday was convicted and sentenced to die on the gallows for torturing and executing 148 men and boys after an assassination attempt in a Shiite town a quarter century ago. Uh, the, oh. The, yeah. I didn't know that he was convicted of like something specific. Yeah, they had to find a specific they had to, thing. They had, to, they had to find grounds. I thought they were just like, you know what this is. <laughs> right. I mean, we, there was a grab bag of stuff. It didn't, they didn't have to like look far. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the butcher of Baghdad refused to stand to hear the verdict. Pulled to his feet by guards, he shouted, Long live the people and death to their enemies. Long live the glorious nation and death to its enemies. Damn. Mm-hmm. Damn, he kept it real. He did. All the way to the end. Yeah, I did it. Yes, they deserve to die. I hope they burn in hell. Oh, good for him. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember uh, watching that and uh, being like, guys, the war's over. And then it didn't end. <laughs> he wanted mission to, accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. We mission accomplished a few different times and the war didn't end. That was wild. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he wanted to be, he wanted to have a firing squad fit for a leader and they were like, nah, you're going to get hung. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, they, I remember they leaked the fucking video and yeah. it was so grainy. Did, was, was that leaked or was that? Yeah, no, it was leaked. I mean, it was like not supposed to be, there was, there it was like taken on like a, a crappy cell phone and, uh. It just like made me go like, see, this is why we're over there, man, because they need better technology. You know, we're just trying to we're just trying to westernize. You know, we gotta get them an iPhone one, dog. This is bullshit. Yeah. At minimum. At minimum. Yeah. Damn, that's wild. Um. Yes. So, uh, other news. All right. A little light, lighter news. We're gonna go lighter news. Okay. This is another big day for uh, Matt and I. Uh, this was the release of the Borat movie. Uh, headline: Great another success. One from, Great success. <laughs> and another one from the Post: Borat, Kazakhs our world. Uh, Borat has dominated the U.S. and A. The R-rated Chuckler, released in only 837 theaters, knee slapped the competition, laughing its way to a three-day take of 26.4 million dollars. God damn. Uh, it broke the record for highest per theater average for a new film opening between 800 and 900 theaters, holding off a pair of kitty flicks, the Santa Claus three, the escape clause and flushed away. We all remember those movies. I don't remember <laughs> flushed away, but Santa Claus three. I remember, I mean, I remember the Santa Claus, but yeah. Yeah. Um, other news. This was the second season of, uh, flavor of love. I don't know if you remember that one. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. the beginning of the end of <laughs> dating. And... Uh, this was oh, this actually Lord. broke the record for the most watched. The season finale broke the record for the most watched show on VH1 ever uh, up until that time. Oh, on VH1. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean. It was a hit. Still, yeah. Uh, and then, meanwhile... Uh, he is also in the parallel to that same day, both headlines, Flavor Flav expecting his seventh child. Uh, God damn. Flavor Flav, who's dating Flavor of Love winner Delicious, is expecting a child, his seventh, with another woman, his manager Clifton Johnson has confirmed. 
Nice. Uh, when se- when things didn't work out with Nicole Hoops Alexander, who won the first season, mm. Flav resumed an on and off relationship with the baby's baby to be's mother. Hence the conception. John Johnson said Thursday. I don't know why that phrasing is funny to me. Hence the conception. Yeah. Yikes, uh, Flav. Yeah. So yeah, good for him. He's doing great. Wait, did he have children with the winners as well, or no? I don't believe so. Mm. So. I- think that was kind of a TV sort of thing. So it was I'm fake. Really... Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> you're telling me he didn't actually find love every season for I like mean, he might have. Just not, not every love produces a baby. Yeah, but he has seven children. You'd figure he's not like averse to having kids. Yeah, but he was like 48 or something at this point. That's I think true. The kids he was came tired. before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then we got one more. This one, you know, just to call back to the current news of the day. Sure. Uh, from the New York Times, a fight song comes alive. Every campaign these days has a theme song. Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey has Uh-oh. I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. <laughs> old, old gold bars himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has blared from sound systems at, every, at senior centers and schools across the state in recent days, wherever Mr. Menendez enters the room. Man. And you yep. know what? He held to it. <laughs> to this very day, he won't back down. That's right. It's, it's an old He kind of Cuban... painted himself into a corner in that way. <laughs> it's really. a Cuban-American tradition to keep as many gold bars as possible, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. in your closet. Castro tried to take that away from him, and they're like, no. That's right. We keep our gold bars right here. My favorite thing is that he was not born in Cuba. <laughs> It's like like an epigenetic memory sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It's like this is a a Cuban tradition we have. You know, Castro. It's like Castro's what? He was going to come to New Jersey and take away your gold bars? Come on. He might. (laughs) Not even trying. Um, Yeah. But what I do love about the whole Menendez uh, thing is um, his his daughter is an anchor on MSNBC and uh, is someone who was like, I will not talk about this at all and i'm like oh this is this is gearing up for uh, another cuomo situation and i'm very excited to see how it goes yeah maybe uh, maybe you you have to be related to a politician in order to get a job at msnbc oh yeah just ask my wife you know (laughs) my wife wife, uh borat um but yeah no francesca is uh you know her her parents were were not uh are not politicians so uh you know she She's relegated to coming on Sundays um, when no one's watching. That's fine. That's fine, guys. Uh, <laughs> all right. So is that is but that? That's, yeah, that's been the back in the day machine. I wonderful. Yes, so that's done. that's what was happening, Roy, at the time. So we can really dig into this episode. Useful information mm-hmm. that is absolutely yes. related to <laughs> the show at it's hand. Necessary for proper contextualizing. I think we all agree. Uh, this week's Balmer B story, uh, is a little song. Uh, it's not done yet. We were busy doing, uh, the punchline in San Francisco, so I was not able to actually do it. By the way, thank you everyone who came out to the punchline and, uh, saw me and Francesca, uh, Vince, we sold it out on a Tuesday. That's Uh, amazing. uh, I'm so proud of you. I'm very proud. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was mostly fans of my wife, but who's counting? Um, but the song will, uh, show up at the end of the episode and you will be able to listen to it. And it's probably going to be like mother by Danzig or something. I don't know. So let's 
get into this episode. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. This is, I think, probably one of the funniest episodes that uh, I've seen thus far on uh, on the wire. Uh, let's mm. get some general thoughts. Uh, Vince, what did you think uh, of this episode? I thought this episode was great. I would call this episode like maybe like the most teasery that the wire ever got um mm-hmm. you know everything about it is sort of geared towards telling you that stuff's about to pop off sure right after this episode you got chris and snoop training guys to kill omar mm-hmm. uh you got like the symbolic disposing of the nail gun mm-hmm. uh and you know the guy that seems to be the reason that mike doesn't trust male authority figures finally shows up and you know it, it's it, it's one of the most of the wire episodes do tend to like complete arcs. This one, I don't feel like there was a lot of arcs that were being completed, but it really made you uh, want to watch the next one right away. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Roy, what'd you think of this episode? To me, Naaman was the, was the guy in yeah. this episode to me. Cause you know, like the, the, the Delanda school of drug, trade learning is <laughs> he's entering the pressures of his drug internship and just how much his mom was really starting and then also the fissures starting to, like you said real teasery and the fissures that were starting to come up between randy mm-hmm. and the crew as well they were starting to set up yeah. because at the beginning of that season the thing i always try to glean from the wire at least early on by season four was ooh the poster let me figure out based on this. Po- and yeah, the poster, yeah, yeah. it's all for the kids smiling, which is such a sad irony because <laughs> none of them really get a happy name on, I guess. The closest. Yeah. Yeah. The one I who least guess. deserves it, yeah. arguably gets. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You know, which, you know, we didn't, we didn't get the scene yet with, um, with Bunny Colvin and uh, Weebay oh, in yeah. the prison that comes later. But, but that idea of seeing Naaman, seeing the bricks get put on his shoulders, sure, was yeah. was probably what stood out the most to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sort of making a transition in this episode from like maybe realizing that uh, the corner and this thing that he's built up is maybe not. He's maybe not the thing that he's going to be best at or enjoy the most. Uh, Compared yeah. to school, which he always, always assumed that he probably hated and wanted to get out of as fast as possible. But uh, right. Yeah. It, it's sad, too, because you, uh, you know, you see from in the previous episode, uh, Sherrod uh, and one of his boys at a competing corner, they get high and they uh, Sherrod goes and beats up uh, Naaman in front of the gym. And uh, even though it wasn't much of a fight, uh, you see Naaman like the adrenaline is pumping his hands are shaking and he's scared and he actually does move his corner so then in this episode to watch the way his mother kind of micromanages his uh his business of you know selling drugs and like forcing mom, him let me build ma let me build like he he's building up that corner not because you know Bodie kicked him <laughs> off of it but because Sherrod ran him off of it and his mom is basically like toughen up you're gonna have to uh 
possibly die in order yes to work this corner and i think he's too afraid to say to his mom you know uh, that he's scared <laughs> i don't i don't want to do this i'm not you know i talk a big game but i'm not like a, a she, violent guy she also like is representative of basically every authority figure in the wire which is like they're they're making top-down decisions without knowing what the realities on the ground are like she's th- she's operating under a system where she still <laughs> thinks he's with the gang that has muscle right he's not he has no muscle so she's like operating on the under the assumptions that he's in the same situation we bay was which is he was working for uh, uh an up-and-coming organization and uh Right. Namon is working for an organization that's well on the decline. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're uh, a blockbuster employee. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to get out there and sell them VHS. Don't nobody care about no Netflix, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Blockbuster built those damn corners. Uh, Okay. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's sad to watch. And then it's also um, this uh, for Namon, I think uh, you watching the difference in his personality between him being at home and him being at school, where at school he's just carrying himself with so much confidence. Like his whole swag is kind of based on like the structure of the school, the safety of the school, the fact that um, you can talk shit and nothing is really real. Like uh, Bunny says uh, in this episode, like, you know, the school is the system and we're the cops. Uh, And he's saying basically like, uh, this is you practice for the streets and uh, and it's just watching Naaman kind of like come alive and have swag and then immediately lose it as soon as he's faced with his mom is uh, incredibly sad. Yeah. And not wanting to stand up to her. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also, you know, to the funniest episode point. Yeah. In a bizarro world. Mm hmm. I would watch a Snoop and Chris buddy comedy. 100%. 100%. You know. Chris and Snoop, uh, I think, really, I've been kind of waiting because in my, and I've seen this show so many times, and in my mind, I'm like, Chris and Snoop are such funny characters. <laughs> and I've been waiting for something funny to happen. It, it opens in the season with uh, her uh, Snoop buying the nail gun, and that was pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> but this is the episode... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like this yeah. season it teased like it opened with Snoop and it teased like yeah. the, the best Snoop scene ever. I mean sure. that's p- probably my favorite scene in all of The Wire. Yeah. Uh and then like you almost didn't get any of her before this episode. It was like 8 episodes of very little Snoop and finally it seems like it's <laughs> coming through on the promise of the first scene of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and- yeah, it, it it really was like and then the idea of them quizzing people about Baltimore the, radio DJs. Like, that's Baltimore. how we'll find the New York. <laughs> the Baltimore quiz is so, it's like the funniest, most deadly game show of all time. <laughs> yeah. I, I love watching I like- it. When they found the New York guy, it was almost irrelevant anything, any answer he gave because they gave him like the <laughs> thickest New York accent. Like, okay, you could tell that guy was from New York from like three blocks away. Right. Yeah. It's like you just have him say anything. And if he sounds like he's from the Wu Tang clan, assume that he is <laughs> not from Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Instead of asking these like deep questions, just have them pronounce the word two. See how they, <laughs> yeah. if they say yeah. chew, 
then you're safe. <laughs> uh, but I I have a, a clip of uh, of the Baltimore quiz, and it's uh, just for <laughs> viewers. Blessing you. Maybe something about club music. Asking like, who Young Leak be? Shaking it, jiggle it. Man, I don't know nothing about that 92 cube shit, man. You don't know Mark Clark. The Big Flat Morning Show. You ain't right, girl. The average Baltimore nigga know all that shit, all right? They don't listen to that shit up in New York. This is some bullshit up in New York. Go ahead. <laughs> Who's your favorite one on the Big Fat Morning Show, yo? What in New York, girl? Get what I show any day. Snoop, Snoop, yo, Snoop. Sanjay be on the show too. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I ask the questions from now on, all right? The look, the look on his face. He's just looking back like, what the fuck just happened? You don't know all the players on the local morning show? No, I don't listen to 92Q. And and it's funny because I was still in morning radio at the time. Mark Clark, that is a real morning show. That is a real Baltimore show. Yep. That is the actual station. It's on. like, that's all legit Baltimore trip. Like that wasn't yeah. scripted. Yeah. Like they didn't have to create a DJ. It's like, no, you really do listen to 92 Q or you don't like that's the station. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that and, was the black yeah. hip hop station and shake it and jiggle it. Also a real song. Uh, and, um, <laughs> Wow. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is Feels part of very Baltimore. It's like one of those things where I'm like, I feel like in a very specific corner of the world, uh, this is considered good. But for me, I was just like, damn, this is, this is hard to listen to <laughs> what the song shake it, jiggle it. Yeah. Oh, okay. it, is, it is yeah. wild. Yeah. And this is also like part of my thesis. It always bugs me when uh, movies and the comedy movies do this, especially where they like, I think it's because they have to film it in some random place and they don't want to take the time to like dress the set to make it look like whatever city. But it's like they just set it in some they never say what the place is. Mm -hmm. And it's like so much comedy just naturally flows out of uh, a show being set <laughs> in a specific place and having like specific reference points for the characters. Like it almost like does the work for you and like this scene is like the perfect representation of that yeah it is uh pretty great let me uh let me just play a little bit of shake it and jiggle it so that uh just so you understand what i'm talking about here uh it is <laughs> i'm so glad you pulled this yeah i just heard this I, song before. I haven't either I, this, I i always mean to go down like a wikipedia rabbit hole based on this episode and i always forget yeah, it's uh it is by uh Young Leek, um L E E K. Mm -hmm. Um like the onion. Like the onion. And here it is. Okay. Goes on for a bit. I'll just <laughs> go go influence. Yeah, very go go influence. Yeah. I'm sure in the time this was a absolutely. I'm not gonna talk shit. No. Not talking <laughs> shit. It doesn't bother me. Asshole. I thought it was kind of good. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying it's uh, terrible. It's definitely uh, go go influenced. I completely agree with that. We learned about go go watching this show because they were uh, talking about this as a specifically DC form of of music and. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, hey, just some things. Some things are, uh, you know, not my generation, I guess. Um, but uh, eventually, Chris and Snoop um, decide to switch roles and who's hosting this uh, deadly game show. And uh, and he, yeah, he goes up to a guy and shoots him in the head. By the way, I, I, the first guy that we saw, um, I think a, another dead giveaway as to him being um, from Baltimore and not a New York guy was, uh, I don't think I understood a single word that he said. Uh, and I, usually that to me yeah, is Yeah, he like, said something about New York girl. Yeah, that was, that was all I got. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that's a giveaway. Um, but yeah, this is to me like watching Chris and Snoop. I think I could do this every week. It could be multicam too. I wouldn't give a shit if it was a multicam sitcom. I just want to see them in a home hanging out, probably a row house, dead body, just kind of dissolving in the corner. Um, it would be fun. Uh, but another thing that's happening too in this episode with regards to uh, Chris and Snoop is there's a lot of um, parallel storylines happening. Uh, so we see that uh, Raymond Forrester died. He's one of the uh, colonels or majors. I think he's a colonel um, and uh, that has been with us since the beginning of the show. Um, he dies and they have another policeman's wake. And then immediately after, there is a Chris and Snoop wake uh, that is kind of works in parallel to it, which I love. Almost new. Don't wear no dead man's hat. Man, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> yeah, let's pray. Here we lay a couple New York boys who came too far south for their own fucking good. Fucking Yankee pride at them, fucking bitch. <laughs> you, know? you want some Chinese? <laughs> I just love her asking if he's hungry after that. Trying to give him the hat. Like, uh, <laughs> there's. The, to me, this is a close, the closest to the Sopranos this show got in terms of like just uh, being having sociopaths be hilarious, you know, just uh, I mean, yeah, but it's still a job. Like, yeah. that's the thing that we forget is that at the core of all of this, it's still just a job. And right. there's good days, there's bad days, there's humor. You crack a joke with your coworkers. Right. <laughs> and if you kill enough people and dissolve their body in lime, like eventually you're you know, you're going to be like, yeah, I can eat, yes. you know, like, <laughs> like you're doing some of this on an empty stomach and you're like, it's got oh, the right. vibe of the old, uh, Looney Tunes, uh, cartoons with yeah. the sheepdog and the coyote where they're punching the clock and they're like, hey, how you doing, Sam? Uh, how you doing? And then yeah. immediately at each other's neck. Yeah. <laughs> it's a living. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, more Chris and Snoop. Uh, if if every episode could just have 30 minutes of their antics, <laughs> I would love it. Um, but yeah, uh, another storyline we can get into here is uh, Carcetti. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's happening with him. He's visiting yeah, Homicide. They've, se they've set him up to be the savior of the city, and I think he's even started to believe it himself. Uh, and then this episode is basically teasing the fact that being a mayor is going to be hard 
And yeah. uh, he's going to be already looking for a way out before he's even started the job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's realizing that, like, all of his plans, like, his his initial plan, his first plan is, like, dumping Burrell. He's like, you know, he he's the boss now. It's time to time to get rid of this this you know Irvin Burrell and he's realizing immediately politically it is just not possible for him as a white mayor uh to get rid of a um a black police commissioner and so he's been on the hunt for the last two episodes for a um a strong powerful black policeman in order to uh get rid of get rid of Burrell which is there's a lot of interesting uh race uh, like race politics in this episode because at one point Carcetti's yeah. talking to Rawls <laughs> and uh, it's just optics. It's so much yeah. optics. Yeah, I love the face of uh, what's his name? Uh, Norman. Carcetti. Yeah, Norman. Norman's face when he when he says no offense. Uh, none you know, taken. <laughs> just he says none taken and just stares daggers at him. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I uh, I have a clip of that scene as well what I'm told. Meaning? Mr. Mayor, I'm no more a racist than you are. Think about affirmative action. I'm just talking policy here, no offense intended. None take. Like that. <laughs> that face is keep going. Yeah. Oh, as you can see, I am in no way angry right now. Like he's I will beat the shit out of you. He's so great. I've never seen someone just so perfectly just stare someone down in a way and say the 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 polite, you know, the polite thing, the the, the politic thing. It's all good. It's all like, good. Is it? Yeah. Are you sure? We're like still it? friends. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when your wife tells you she's not mad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh watching Carcetti kind of like go from spot to spot in this episode, watch watching him just be at homicide uh, and everyone kind of trying to be on their best behavior for him is, uh, is just fantastic. Especially when he uh, lets everyone know that he's not the hall monitor and that you can feel free to just do as you do, you know? <laughs> And I have a clip of that, right? Don't here. need to do anything you wouldn't normally do just because I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Kimo lays down. Uh, Freeman's doing, you know, doll furniture, and of course Jay is. We should be able to uh, look at a little porn at work. Is watching, is just reading another porno mag. Every single Jay Landsman scene has him reading porn at work. Such subtle nods to the characters and what they're into. It's like when <laughs> yeah. Rawls is at the gay bar. I think it's season five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, season season three, he shows up three. at the gay bar. Yeah, yeah just it's in a montage. Yes. It's not yeah. Even... yeah, no, it's not. They And they never address it ever again. And you don't need to know more than that little just a little bit yeah, there it just it just adds to the character just in a, a daddy sweater yeah. no less oh yeah 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 you but mean i a just zaddy <laughs> sorry I, I couldn't resist 
I love watching uh, the. I just like watching Jay Landsman reading porn because he's not like. He's not looking at it. He's not masturbating. The dude is just studying. Mm-hmm. He is looking at the female form and he's just like, mm, yeah, hell yeah. What, what I really appreciated was just how Carcetti's storyline mm-hmm. really showed the politics. Because season three, season three, we get all this, this stat chasing. And right. You know, you got to do. I want my I want my numbers down. So I just yeah. need numbers, numbers, numbers. You don't yeah. care about real results. But yeah. now it's like, ah, here's the politics that motivates the number chasing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and you see. Yeah, The exactly. The third season, you spend half of it at Comstat with people just, uh, you know, saying what the numbers are and promising that they'll get them down you see bunny create hamsterdam and uh you know he's he's motivated by rawls and burrell saying we need these numbers down and watching this season carcetti be like i'm a it's a new day i'm a new man i'm a new mayor for baltimore numbers don't matter to me uh, and we get to uh, see whether or not numbers actually matter to Carcetti at the end. And you get a little hint of that in uh, in this episode when there's just a random scene where uh, Carcetti is meeting with like the D triple C lady who uh, is just like, stay away from schools, which yeah. is. Well, uh, Norman says that Norman was responding to her like, oh, no, we can't talk about schools. But yeah, right. she's. You know, it's it's the start of him making one little compromise and, you know, one little compromise begets another little compromise. And yeah. pretty soon you're like back to where you started, just chasing the numbers. And then it's sort of uh, it's sort of like the effective altruism thing where it's like, oh, OK, <laughs> yeah. we'll do the numbers thing today with the promise that mm-hmm. I will get into power and there, then I will be able to do good someday. So yes. it's like this like promise of a future deliverable that uh, right. the next day it never actually comes. It's just, but that's yeah. also what politics is. It's yeah. just, mm-hmm. you owe me a back rub. Yeah. And sooner or later I'm going to call in my marker for my yeah. fucking back rub. Yeah, it is uh, circle jerk, whatever you prefer. Maybe yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, the interesting thing. Way. Yeah, the interesting thing about this episode to me is that uh, I mean, we like in the last episode we find out why he can't fire Burrell, and like this yeah. episode, Carcetti's sort of operating under the assumption that Rawls is going to be is going to be replacing Burrell, even though we sort of know that he can't do that. Like All it right. ends with him making Daniels like work under Rawls, which it doesn't. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're having to wait to see exactly how this is going to play out. Right. Yeah. And for, you know, those who have seen the show, uh, it is funny kind of watching Rawls have swag in that, you know, the, the way he has um, the confidence when Burrell shows up and is like, hey, we need to strategize. And <laughs> Rawls is like, I've talked <laughs> to the mayor. I'm making my move. Yeah. <laughs> don't let the door hit you on the way out it's like you know you're not winning this one right like how, yeah how yeah did he like he's like himself? he's like the ultimate system animal throughout the show and like this is the episode where you like watch him overplay his hand and get overconfident yeah uh meanwhile daniel's uh oh hey, hey. Is that, 
Brent Flyberg, producer? What's up, dude? Yeah, it's me. We got to play the game, too. The advertisers are demanding their back rub. Oh, okay. (laughs) Give it to them. All right. Rub and tug. Yeah, we have got to rub and tug some products and services. Um, So stick around, and we will be right back. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, (laughs) because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, You helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby... Um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, Someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go... Hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and, you you know, you can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So, yes, please come. Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. Moving on. Uh... We also have uh, Herc and Marlowe stuff going on in this in this uh, episode. I mean, we've got the this camera is missing and mm. Herc needs it back. And Marlowe needs to know <laughs> who the fuck is fucking with him. Is it the feds? Yeah. Is it Port Authority? Is it the local city police? And uh, so we get to see Herc harassing Marlowe and Marlowe's crew the entire episode. Um, trying to get his camera back. And uh, just one of my favorite moments is uh, this like tiny Abbott and Costello moment with... It's uh, very uh, I'm All Right Spider. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, It's it's O-Dog and uh, Calicchio. Calicchio? Calicchio, yes. I'll I'll never pronounce that right. It's like you never watched Top Chef. I was eating that. Fuck you. It's my lunch. Fuck you. This is What I say to you. Fuck you. That's what you said to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, brutal and awful. And, uh, Fuck you. And a good well, that's bit. That's what you said to me. That's, that's a good bit. Note. That's a good bit. Um, but yeah, what I, I love uh, watching Prop Joe work in this episode. This is like some, like, Robert Chu as an actor was just, so impressive because he plays this character that I think Rob Joe would be considered a mostly comical character. I mean, I feel like anyone else would have like played him too serious is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Like, uh, you know, he has a yeah, catchphrase, you know, he really is a mediator slash therapist. Yes. A good therapist. He's his <laughs> calm demeanor uh, is part of this, like, generally funny character who I find to be both like um, 
I like I find him to be a serious man, but also just so silly that I can't believe that I'm so in love with this character. It's for a show that like kind of prides itself on verisimilitude. uh, He is one of the more theatrical type of characters. A big man who fix clocks. He's the he is the uh, the landsman of the drug gang. Like landsman's whole thing is like. You, he's openly theatrical, so there, there's a hint of this guy used to be a theater kid, or maybe is like a theater kid at heart. And it mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't play like the like the show is being overly theatrical. Yeah, yeah. It's just simply like pointing out that there's people you meet in life that are like a little a little bit extra and have that like you can tell they just have that theater kid in them. Yeah, <laughs> he's just so good, and and. Uh, you know, he's counseling Marlowe on how exactly he can find out who's after him. And uh, he's the one who told him to get rid of the, you know, to steal the camera and see who comes looking for it. Because if it's the city police, they'll definitely come looking for it, which is like knowledge. Yeah. Like that kind of knowledge. That means that Prop Joe knows that, um, you know, the city of Baltimore uh, is stingy. And that the police, so they're so stingy that if you were to steal a surveillance camera, the cops would reveal themselves to you and be like, listen, I know it's all fun and games and we're looking at you, but I really fucking need that back, man. (laughs) It was my own fucking money, man. Please. Yeah, Yeah, I pay for that in my own pocket. I I just need the camera. Like, like I understand that with a gun in the show, you know, and in real life, you know, if a cop loses his service weapon, it's like an all out fucking search. But it's like a camera. You'd figure the city would just eat that. But um, but yeah, I uh, my favorite scene with Prop Joe is him uh, finding out who Herc works for through a series of crank calls. Uh, and uh, I have a clip of that. Yes, ma'am. This is uh, Sydney Handjerker with uh, Handjerker Cohen and Bromberg. I'm trying to locate a Sergeant Thomas Houck in regards to a client I'm representing. Uh, yeah, yes, hello, uh, this is Irvin Pepper of Pepper, Pepper and Bailey. I'm calling in regards to a Sergeant Thomas Houck in regards to uh... He's no longer on this detail. Hold on for a minute. <laughs> uh, this is Dr. J calling with test results for Thomas Houck. I mean... Marvelous. Just beautiful job. I always feel like prank calls are like the last resort in the writer's room on how to do something. But every now and then it makes perfect sense how it's set up. That one. And then there was the one in Terminator 2. Yeah. Where John Connor calls his foster parents to see if they're safe. And then the Terminator gets on the phone Mm -hmm. imitating John. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, it's what's Wolfie your dog's dog. name? Yeah, but the dog's name wasn't Wolfie, but the mm-hmm. but the T-1000 pretending to be the mom said, Wolfie's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, your parents are dead. Your parents and then clicks dead. and hangs up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's impressive too, because I mean, 
Robert Chu did all those great voices. Those were all perfect. Those were fantastic voices. Uh, great names. I mean, the improv skills off the charts there. He's talking, you know, he's... Uh, I mean, he's an acting teacher, and at some point, they're probably yeah. just like, you know, we have, we've had this guy on the show for X amount of years. We need to really just let him cook just once. And, right, uh, yeah. We mostly <laughs> have him, like, uh, you know, fixing various electronics and uh, telling Avon to calm down. We need him to do some of his voices i mean pepper pepper and bay leaf fantastic so good <laughs> um but yeah he uh he finds out through that series of crank phone calls uh that herc is a uh, part of the major crimes unit and so now he knows who is going after marlo and he's gonna uh, use that information to help marlo out because prop joe is a nice helpful guy he wants and to bring him into the co-op he wants know? to bring him to the co-op and uh you know he's stringer may be dead but the co-op lives on yeah that's right <laughs> they, they they they're still keeping it going despite the fact that uh marlo uh well he's soon gonna disband it and price of the brick is gonna go up but uh that comes later um and yeah so we we get to see uh herc continuing his harassment and eventually he pulls over chris and snoop uh and great scene because yeah well, I, I love that scene contrasted with bunk because like this show is is sort of anti-competence porn like the aaron mm -hmm. sorkin model is like everybody's like hyper competent and you right. love to see people you know adults talking like adults want to talk and being good right. at their jobs in the way that we imagine that some right what if, what uh, if everyone's fictional, smart yeah what yeah. if everyone's smart yeah and, that, and that's how they got into positions of authority vince is they're all really <laughs> really smart exactly all presidents are smart all the president's men are smart no one's ever been dumb yeah, so you have like the anti-competence porn portion of the show, which is Herc and uh, the other guy chasing down the cameras and just like being presented with uh, the evidence of where the bodies have been <laughs> yeah. disappearing to this entire yep. season. You got a, a bucket of lime. Oh, that's from my mama's garden and, yeah. uh, and a, and a gunpowder-powered nail gun. And mm -hmm. he's just like throwing it out of the way. And he's like, hey, man. Where's my camera? Yeah, he's just scooping <laughs> evidence out of <laughs> moving shit. Just like, just tell me where the camera is. I don't want to be in trouble. It's like, if use like, your You eyes. guys, cut it out for real. Mom's coming. <laughs> just moving all the ropes and tapes and <laughs> tape and gags and like yeah. ski masks and going, where the fuck is this camera? Yeah, uh, I think also the, it starts yeah. showing... And not necessarily this episode, but the season as a whole starts showing the growth disparity between Herc and Carver. Mm, yeah, yeah, and yeah. How yeah, they're yeah. kind of going two different directions in terms of the type of cop that they are becoming. We right. know what they've been, mm -hmm. but what they're becoming is something totally different. Yeah, yeah. You see, you know, before they yeah, it's were like the path, the two paths when the job that you were doing ends mm. uh and and you can either sort of grow and uh embrace a new path right. or you can like keep trying to do the same shit over and over again and and hoping it's going to mm. work out for you like it used to yeah yeah inside of us there are two cops mm -hmm. uh herc and carver <laughs> and we have to choose which one we want to be and uh, and we also get to see how uh 
you know, one fucks over the other one. You know, the one trying to do good, Carver, is uh, is trying to help out Randy Wagstaff with his, uh, you know, with his issues uh, and, you know, snitch problem. Um, and Herc is given a shot to interview him in a previous episode. And then by the end of this episode, um, Herc decides to go after little Kevin to talk to him. And, uh, you know, uh, he's, you will see in the next episode, he basically gives away the whole game and he lets little Kevin know that Randy is a snitch. And then that gets put on the street and nothing good can come of that. So, uh, it's well, interesting. We don't know that for sure yet. You know, yeah, that's true. Good. We haven't yeah. seen those episodes yet, so we, uh, it could all work out. These cops are nice. They're going to help them out, I bet. Yeah, yeah, they're all they're all well intentioned and good, just like all cops. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, seeing seeing Herc just like single minded focus on trying to get this camera back, missing all it's of the all evidence. He cares about. That's all he cares it's about. All he cares and, about. And it's funny because in the uh, you know we see Kima in homicide in the previous episode when she figures out the uh the murder of the state's witness and she says soft eyes and like soft eyes is almost like the exact opposite thing of what herc has he has the hardest eyes they're all focused he's got one modus operandi and it fucks over not just like not just fucking randy and all just it fucks over multiple cases are now made uh, harder because of the fact that he touches that nail gun and they throw it into the sea or the harbor. Is that part of the sea? Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Some people would argue. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. So then you then you got um, the flip side of the coin. You know, like the, even as I say that the wire is sort of anti competence porn as a show, yeah. I think I think that is its basic uh, like theme and structure but it it knows that competence porn is still like wildly entertaining and enjoyable to watch and therefore it gives us a little bit of bunk uh like undoing his buddy's casework um and figuring out exactly what happened between uh omar and old face andre in the convenience store and it's just, sure. you know, it's classic procedural stuff. You're watching them piece together stuff you already know. So you get to like the enjoyment of watching it happen and also the enjoyment of like getting to feel smart because they're figuring something out that you already that know. That you already know. It's like, yeah. ooh, is this how real detective work works? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, watching, watching Bunk actually be good at his job is fun, especially because the reason that he's doing it. I mean, I, I do believe that half the reason is like, he's like, man, we can't leave, you know, we can't leave this guy in jail for something he didn't do. That's not right. But really he's mad at the idea that someone might be getting over on them. Like that is, seems to be where he's coming from. Like, yeah, it's like we're letting a murderer walk, but it's more just like, I don't like the idea that someone's tricking me. And yeah. people getting over on people is actually kind of a theme of this episode. We see a lot of, uh, you know, school being a place where you learn to get over on people. And uh, and just the idea that Bunk is, you know, he's a cop and his whole thing is 
Well, he's a homicide detective. He's a homicide one. detective. And, and that's he's like, like David's... I'm a murder police. I'm a murder police. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's if you read any of David Simon's books, like that's his basic take on the homicide detectives, which is that like they're, yeah, they're driven by wanting to be, wanting to, wanting to be the one who figures stuff out and wanting to be the one who nobody gets stuff over on them. Like it's not the, right. You know, they want to dress it up like it's some public service or that uh, like they're doing good for the community, which is, you know, maybe something that they tell themselves or a small piece of it. But like the, the, the major motivation is uh, I want to be the smartest person in the room and no one's going to get over on me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, watching him take so much pleasure, watching Bunk take pleasure in uh, unraveling old face Andre's little story is, is just really fun. Um, but also we get a little bit of vintage bunk in this episode in that, uh, we get to just watch him be openly horny for half a second. Uh, when, uh, the, uh, the sex worker is at old faces, uh, bodega. And I have a clip of that. Thank you for that clown. You know, I don't understand why people talk trash about him. All I know is he loves me. Well, when you get tired, I'm going to your head and all. You really know who loves you. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I love a horny bunk. There's just something about him, like, even in the moment where he's, like, about to serve this guy with a subpoena, he can't help but be like, is that a pretty lady? Hey. It's like the, um, was it season two out there, drunk on the train tracks with mm-hmm. McNulty? Pussy. Yeah, yeah, pussy. I get the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I get that pussy. That is the plural of pussy is pussy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's just, uh, he's just uh, you know, he's a competent detective and a very, very horny man. And um, uh, yeah, in the, the next part of this clip, you see... Uh, Old face Andre just completely collapse. His story falls apart enti- uh, entirely, and uh, he starts blaming it on medication. You kidding? As much as I can get. Hey, look, that motherfucker went upside my head. I couldn't even see straight. Which motherfucker are we talking about? Then they got me on that medication, made me groggy as shit. Then this man starts working at me. Was it him? Fuck, I did. I mean, shit. I'm still groggy now. I mean, uh, that's why. <laughs> Is he a washroom around? <laughs> I love watching him fall apart. It's so great. <laughs> and I think he also, uh, was it, did Old Face talk to uh, that detective or was he talking to Crutchfield? I can't tell if he's getting them mixed up or uh, it doesn't matter. I just like that he's pretending he doesn't know who he's talking to. Um, I'm high right now. Uh, yeah, so watching Bunk do a little bit of like being a competent cop is uh is yeah. fun it makes you feel good it makes you live in a world in your mind where like detectives actually can solve crimes if they just try <laughs> i got a weird whiff of um like non-actor from the uh sex worker in that scene and i was trying to figure out mm. a little like, local action yeah, yeah could we're, be we're, yeah local hire could be a local hire um i was i, I assume um you know, not an actual sex worker. That's kind of what I got. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. definitely not. We don't know her process. Let's that's not, true. She could be messaged. Let's not assume. Let's not assume. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy her, you know, standard sex worker line of all <laughs> I know she... is that he loved me. <laughs> Just, it's like almost written by AI. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> And I think finally, uh, just getting into more of the bunny stuff, uh, bunny is worth, this is the first episode where we get to see, um, the corner boys classroom kind of like all coming together. Uh, you get to see them, you know, in the previous episode, it's just Naaman trying to get suspended. And by this point in, uh, you know, this classroom, Everyone is resigned to the fact that, you know, barring doing something incredibly violent, uh, they are going to have to stay and they're going to have to participate. Um, and so you get to see that Naaman, like you get to see him open up. And I, I love the scene where he's just talking in a very seventh grade, like middle school level of like cynicism is like first time hearing about hypocrisy. And he's <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah. I'm going to hold court in this classroom about he's put how the system on trial. He's putting the whole system on trial, you guys. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I have a clip of that as well. Yo, huh? What, the government? What's the Amron? <laughs> Steroids? Yeah. Liquor business? Booze? The real killer out there? And cigarettes? Oh, shit. <laughs> we do the same thing as y'all. Except when we do it, it's like, oh my God, these kids is animals. Like, it's the end of the world coming. Man, that's bullshit, all right? Because this is like, what's it, hypocrit hypocritical? You think you could sit down and write down the laws to your thing? Hell yeah, I'll do it right now, shit. <laughs> no, I'm talking about can y'all do it together. Oh, I love I love watching it because it just, it just brings back memories of where this, the rest of the show goes and... And how they do end up like working together and you see who like shines and who kind of like falls apart and, oh, it's so sad and wonderful. But yeah, I, I love, uh, I love watching Naaman, uh, being in a safe place. It's like, a really, um, I mean, half of the show, at least in this season is just to show that, uh, how much home life, um, for your if you're a teacher especially how you just don't know what the fuck is going on at home you don't know what's happening with, with these kids all you see is the way they're acting out in class and um yeah yeah Naaman's in this like tough position where i think i relate to him the most because uh you know he because i'm also like a bitch you know what i mean <laughs> like i i i do, i don't want to i don't want to work on the corner I don't want to get into fights with people, you mm -hmm. know? And so like, I, yeah, it's, maybe yeah. it's just like a, a thing where you bring your own baggage to Naaman. Cause to me, he, he feels like future memoirist. Cause he's like, yeah, yeah. I don't actually <laughs> enjoy being on the streets, but I do enjoy the act of like writing it down and how it works. Yes. I don't enjoy doing it, yeah. but uh, I would love to write it down for you and explain it. Yeah, he's yeah. like a consultant. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to do the job, but let me yeah. just let's take an overview at thirty thousand feet of what we're trying to accomplish here, people. Right. Yeah. He's gonna be the McKinsey yeah. consultant for uh the next Bodie, you know, he's gonna Or at the very least he will uh you know, he'll consult on a film set and be like, This is actually how we 
deal drugs yeah. in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That's not uh, how you hold the gun. Yeah, ex- exactly. And yes, you do shout out deals like Election Day Special or WMD. 10 gets you too. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- you know, and then the home life we talked about earlier, you see, uh, you see his mom like pushing him out on the streets and I, just like the moment where he says to his mom, ma, let me build. Like <laughs> I just I felt that so much in my heart where you're just, you just know he's, he just wants to, uh, he, he just wants to be safe. You just want, he's like, mom, please don't, if you do this, I will die. I don't want to fucking die. And then yeah, you it's independent. Yeah. No, I'm going down there right now. And I'm going to talk to that bully <laughs> and talk to him about, what was it like territory or some yeah. shit? She was yeah. mad. He brought the money. Like what? He built the beginning these of the episode. Go <laughs> get the money. And then he brings back the money and she goes, that's not enough money. It's not enough money. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you don't know, vile up in the house. Yeah, so many rules. Don't vile up in the house, you know. Just yeah, him, him telling his mom, he's like, "What are you doing?" He's, I'm I'm stretching bottles, ma. Like, you know, it's just like 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 I'm doing homework. Yeah, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I'm doing the reading. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is like fucked up. And then you know, you get to see the uh, the much more fucked up situation uh, happening over at uh, Michael's home. Uh, and Michael, we've spent this whole season being like, Hey, what's going on with this kid? Like, he's not accepting help from anyone. Uh, Cuddy, a character that we all love. You're like, you got this, you know, strong father figure right here trying to like teach you how to box. He's letting you use the gym for free. Like he's taking you to boxing games. Why won't you let him drop you off at your house? Um, sorry. Did you just say boxing games? Did I say boxing games? Yeah, I don't fun want boxing to... games. <laughs> yeah, it's a take, game of boxing. Take me to the boxing game, Take Pop. me. Yeah. <laughs> take him to a boxing game, and he's like, yeah, he's not He's not even letting him drop him off. I'm going to call him boxing games from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so we've been wondering why this whole time he's so resistant to, uh, to you know, having any male uh, authority figures in his life that he trusts. Um, and we see him meet uh, his father after a few years. And we see the way it, it, they never say what happened. They um, don't have to because you can just see Dennis Lehane in the writing credits uh, for this sure. season and know that there <laughs> is going to be like a molestation angle. Yes. And just, yeah. And then all the interactions between Michael and Bug's dad, you're like, oh, I see what's happening yeah. here. Yeah. Some happen. Yeah, and I have a clip of that. Right, Cerrone. There's a boy in the stoop looking like he was starving. So you cooked it for him? No, I just gave it to him. Boy ate a raw box of rice Cerrone. How much did you sell the groceries for? Don't look at me like that. I gotta go out. Next time, don't go selling the food at our mouths. Eating a raw box of rice Cerrone, by the way. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. I like that uh, Michael is really doing a bunk in the scene. Like he's, oh yeah, he's, he's doing he's, detective he's, work. He's grilling her, and he she's thinks thinks that he's a kid. Her stories are gonna fly with them, and he's like, nope, I'm gonna, I'm gonna question, uh, get to the bottom of every fact that you just told me, and uh, they're not, they're not gonna hold up. Yeah, I think you know it's funny because. He is clearly like coming from 
uh, a place of he knows his mom's a fucking liar and drug addict. And so it's like he, he, he knows he has to like break through all of that bullshit. He knows whatever she's about to say is going to be some bullshit. And it's almost like he's disappointed in her ability to tell the lie. Yeah. And <laughs> he's know? doing it gently with, which almost makes it worse. Like he's, not yeah, it's like, did coming... you even think this lie through? Yeah. Yeah. And he <laughs> gave her an out. You cooked it for him. You know, just mm-hmm. please lie to me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, he's respect he me enough to tell a better lie. Yes, respect me enough to tell me something that is at least partially believable. I would still know it's a lie, but I might be able to be like, she could have done that. At least it feels better, you know, rather yeah. than like just shoving a box of raw like, oh, yeah, dry the, rice aroni. Poor some kid went room. home and cooked a box of rice aroni in the home that he probably has. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw a hungry child and I, uh, I you know. <laughs> treated him like a pigeon at a wedding <laughs> just <laughs> threw rice on him <laughs> mm. love to love to feed the hungry children and I, I was gonna play this clip of Michael's dad Michael my daddy came home daddy came Michael home Michael Right there, that's it. Damn, you grew. If you want to come up with a creepy line that's just ambiguous enough uh, to freak you out, uh, damn, you grew. Mm. Pretty fucking creepy. I mean, god damn. The back of the hand cheek rub as well. Uh, uh, proper creep status. Gotta proper. factor in the sh- unnecessary shirtlessness in there. Yeah, as well. looking in like child yeah. ch- child molester Gambino. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's just got no shirt on and just. Jeez, what a name. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, fuck it, hey, dude. Like that. that you wonder you you assume the whole time there's some sort of like abuse going on, but uh, just in that scene alone, you're like fuck this, fuck this, and the way he runs home to get a uh, bug because you know dad picked up bug from school, like mm-hmm. you're you just fucking know something went down, and they never say what it is, and uh, it is something I think that sets the show apart from other shows that I think would make. Um, make everything real explicit and really like hold your hand and really tell you, you know, I mean, it would open with, uh, this show contains scenes of child sex abuse or something like, you know, this gives you, the show has never held your hand in any fucking moment. And, uh, it continues to not do so with this entire Michael storyline. And you don't know what's going to happen here, but you know, it can't be good. You got an idea probably. Yeah. Well, at least I do, because I've seen it. Um, yeah, man. So uh, just just watching Michael's character this entire time kind of like be never carefree, but someone who has these moments where he's like happy and smiling and then immediately go into this glum like he's in Presbo's class just staring down. And for anyone who's ever, you know, taught, um, seeing 
one of your students have that look in his face. I was impressed by Prez Belusky's um, insight into it, like his immediate, the way he knows maybe this kid needs to see a social worker. Recognized it, yeah. He recognized that pretty immediately. And, uh, and I feel like Michael in that moment is like considering it for a second. And um, he knows that there's like two ways this could go. He's like, do I put my trust into uh, the system or do I uh, go to the people who maybe uh, who I know actually can get shit done, <laughs> can get results, can get results. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, he's going to have to make that choice. Snoop and Chris, we <laughs> will handle your molestation claims <laughs> quietly and discreetly. <laughs> fucking nail gun. Gives them a toll free 1-800 number just to. Two fucking lawyers. Yeah. Jason. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like Randy and Michael are sort of the echo of uh, Stringer and Avon. Like Randy, mm. Randy is maybe believes a little too much in the free market and uh, takes authority for granted, even even though he's very uh, enterprising. Whereas yeah. uh, Michael's, you know, he's much more street smart and he knows which people to trust and which not to, uh, like reflexively. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, Randy puts his trust into the system, uh, and Michael doesn't and they're, you know, they both get bit in the ass, but, um, one is more of a self inflicted wound than the other. Um, and yeah, uh, it's like, uh, bunny says it perfectly in this episode, which is just that, you know, um, this is training this school is training for the streets and that basically points out that this is like your beginner institution it's the first institution that fails you uh and Mm. from here you're either going to learn the hard way or the easy way uh what that these institutions are not um that they're crumbling and uh that they don't work and putting your trust in them is probably a bad idea. Um, you know, that's except for Los Angeles Unified School Districts. I just want to point out that those are so one of the greatest school districts in in America. Everything's working. All the kids are passing. Um, and then we, you know, we end on uh, we end on like the the disposal of the nail gun, which is another. It's it's like sort of symbolic and it's also you could sort of read it two ways, which mm-hmm. is like one that he's getting rid of it because he knows that Herc saw them with it and with the lime and that maybe he knows too much. But also you can read it <laughs> in the sense of like, all right, well, we're through hiding bodies. Like we've been doing our best to hide bodies. And oh, that's right. Now we don't need to do that anymore. We want to start sending messages instead. Right, right. Yeah, because they decide this episode that in order to... Uh... To actually drive the point home to the New York uh, people who are showing up on their corners that they actually have to keep the bodies there. Um, I I do think it is also them getting rid of evidence. Yeah. And I love that Chris thinks Herc is going to put it together. Like he's he's, <laughs> he's throwing it all the people. <laughs> he's throwing it away, you know, on the off chance that Herc is a smart guy who can actually 
see the like line. Carver, maybe. Yeah, yeah Carver, Briggs maybe. for sure. Mm -hmm. But not no, her. No, yeah. <laughs> so it really was a big waste of $800. Um, and yeah, and that is the episode. Uh, do we have a favorite scene or a least favorite scene or something we didn't talk about that you're just dying to talk about? Vince, no, the 92Q was my shit. Yeah. What would have been great is for the end of this episode to start in the morning with Snoop, with Chris turning the radio to 92Q and just going, listen to this, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please educate yourself on yeah. local Baltimore radio. Yeah. A uh, couple small things that I liked. Um well, when Bunk is poking holes in Old Face Andre's story, and he's like, oh, what about this other bullet hole? Who, who did that? And he's like, I don't know. A guy had a mask on. And he's like, oh, a mask like Zorro, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Such a good pull. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the episode. Uh, if I had to give it a letter grade, let's see. I think this is um, the funniest episode of The Wire thus far. Probably the best episode I've seen. I'm going to have to give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Again? Yeah, tough choice. I'm going to, after careful consideration, I'm going to give it a solid B plus. Oh, all right. Surprising. Okay. Uh, Roy Wood Jr., what would you give this episode if you had to give it a B letter? B minus. I need it more Snoop. I need it more Snoop and Chris. Always Fair more, more Cowbill. Yeah, yeah, Needs more cowbell, more, cowbell. more Snoop, more Chris. But you know what? It's been yeah. an A plus episode of Pod Yourself, The Wire. Roy Wood Jr., thank you so much for coming on. We really, did it. We did it. <laughs> so it's uh, we made it happen. I'm so glad you were able to come on. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, what do you have to plug? Uh, nothing to plug. Just go to my web. Follow me on social. Just put an at sign in front of my name, a dot com behind it, and figure it out. Yeah. You yeah. Know. You know where to find him. Just exactly. it's Roy Wood Jr. Google. That's a good place to go, and you'll find all of his yeah, socials. Start there. Roy, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for coming hey, on. We'll do. No Great problem. Great talking to you. Wires. Patreon.com slash broadcast. The $8 tier gets you a shout out, a street name. You get to hear your name on your favorite podcast. Is this your favorite podcast? I hope so, because you're giving us $8. Um, Vince, we have four, count them, four names. One, two, three, four. That's right. One, two, three, four. Ah, ah, ah. My daughter now uh, goes ah, 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 ah after she hears the count. It's very mm, cute. That's awesome. Um, the first is, and this is a, a repeat, uh, someone who uh, is now doing this twice. They want a new name. Cheyenne Elrod. Mm, I don't know what, I, what name I gave her the last time. I don't know time. either. Yeah. I'm going to call her Spoils. Spoils. You know, she's Elrod. And you don't want to spoil the rod. You spare the rod. <laughs> spoil. You. Know, it's. It's in there. You get it. I get it. That's good. Your brain is, I think, more on fire with street names in the morning. Yeah, so <laughs> well, uh, my brain works much better in the morning in general. Oh, right yeah. in the afternoon, it's just that's uh, my no, brain turn off. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm sundowning already. I don't know. Oh shit. Yeah, I have the opposite. I'm sun upping <laughs> or something. Mm -hmm. Um, next is Kyle S. Bolini. <laughs> Boilini? That sounds like a Eastern block like knockoff pasta name, like a pasta brand. <laughs> hey, we're gonna eat the summer boilini. 
<laughs> you put it into the water, it's boiling. It's it boiling. Yeah. It doesn't even need to be boiling water. You put it in lukewarm, it bubbles. <laughs> We're going to call this guy Al Dente. All right, Al Dente. Al Dente. Al Dente. I love it. Uh, next is Ben Smoo. Smoo? Ben SMU. We call I this guy Pony Express. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Look at this. Uh, and finally, James McLaughlin. Oh, McLaughlin. Usually the Irish are McFighting. They're McDrinking. <laughs> Sometimes they're McLaughlin. <laughs> Sometimes they, after they McFight, they McLaughlin. After they fight their dog, they all McLaughlin together. Sometimes they make... Uh, Sex. I don't know. I couldn't. McCopulating. Mm -hmm. So what is, um, his, what is his name? I don't know. It's like Jimmy McNulty, Jimmy McLaughlin. Uh, what's McNulty's nickname? He doesn't have one, does he? Uh, what is his nickname? He's got a nickname. Uh, Bushy Top. Bushy Top. We're going to call this guy Jimmy Mac. Just go easy. You know? All right, Jimmy Mac. Hell yeah. Or if he's Australian, it could be Mako. Yeah. Oi, Mako. Oi, Mako. Fetch your satini, mate. Get out of here and gobble me. How do you say suck my dick in Australian? Oof, that's a, I don't know. I don't think they just say suck my dick. Is it like, yeah, oh, oh hey, hey, for gobble. <laughs> hey, gobble me no, noble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotta learn how to do that accent. I feel like I start and then it turns it's into. Tough. It's hard because it's too cl it's very close. It's too like too close to American that it's it's hard to do because it's so like subtle. Subtle. I you know I can do New Zealand. Yes. It's pinched. Yeah, it's pinched. It's a little easier to do. You just kind of talk like this. Yeah. Uh -huh. hit, hit your consonants harder. Yeah, hit your consonants hard, but not too hard. You sound South African. Mm -hmm. You don't want to sound like that because it's an apartheid state. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyways, yeah, so those are the names. You got the names, they're good names, and you can get yourself a street name by going to patreon.com slash broadcast, signing up for the $8 tier. Um, and, you know, you also get fucking, you get fucking episodes of me and Vince talking about other shit. It fucking rules. It's so good. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, do it. Please. Come and on. Why now's, not? Now's a better time than ever to do it. Why? Um, because... Uh, if I keep talking about wanting Palestinians to live like this, um, I'm never going to work in this town. <laughs> so oh, yeah, you can't, can't I, I, treat them, and think I, about listen, them as people if you don't want to work. If you want to work, and that, that that's not, and I'm not saying. I just want to point out, I'm not saying the Jews run. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> what I'm saying is. The Jews run comedy. <laughs> and <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, as a comedian, you're, uh, you know, so you have to, you have to be careful who uh, gets mad at you. And, so, you know, sometimes uh, I don't think Sarah Silverman likes me. Point is, patreon.com slash broadcast. Help. We, I, we have kids. Help. 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 Mayday. Mayday. I'm dying. Uh, so do that. Uh, Frogcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. And we will be having a um, mailbag episode happening this season. Uh, so uh, a general announcement right now. Start getting them questions. And then genital announcement. Genital announcement. Get your voicemails in. Uh, talk to us. We love talking to people. 
And uh, if you are a Patreon uh, subscriber of uh, $8 or more, that's right, $8 or more, then uh, you will have first dibs on um, what questions and what voicemails will be hmm. answered. Uh, just make sure to say what, what your Patreon status is. Obviously, the highest paying person gets their, their questions first. So if you're a $100 person, chances yeah. are make sure to note that and note that but if you're like a thousand dollar person i i i will i will literally suck your fucking dick he'll do it broadcast at gmail.com all your questions comments concerns vince what is that google voice number four one five two seven five zero zero three zero all right everyone thanks again so much for listening and until next time if you come at the king you best not me. See, I told you I'd do this one. It's going to be bad, but I did it, so. Mother, tell your children go and sell cocaine. Tell them to go to that corner, or you will tell we bang this father. Mother! Will you let me stretch some balls tonight? Can you just let me build my corner? Oh, mother. Michael's father. Didn't know you'd get out tonight. Don't molest my brother. Oh, father. Michael.
occupation after the West Bank of Gaza, and that's continued on until apartheid state um, has basically been created de jour, or de facto rather, and um, it's just, you know, uh, there's a power imbalance. Oh. Anyways, uh, see you next week. All right. <coughs> oh. What the fuck was that? I don't know. I'm just vocal exercising. Oh, okay. I love how I have a limit. I'm like, hey, that's weird. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.